Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit and provide the intellectual thrust to escape the all-consuming black hole of online stupidity. And I'm Matt Saintsing, and I haven't figured out a tagline yet, but... Ryan's is good enough for both of us, so I'm just going to ride that, those coattails. Ryan, do you remember the last time we actually like hung out for real in person? Uh, I believe the very... No, that was the time before. I know but what you're I, talking I, about. I know what you're thinking about. I, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about brunch at the Indian restaurant, but I don't think that's the last thing we did. Did we do that before or after we went to that place that I know you want to talk about today? Yeah, we ate at the Indian restaurant for brunch in Deacon, Washington, D.C. It's awesome. It's like uh, it's like tapas almost, little small plates, and you just keep them coming, man. It's awesome. But afterwards, we went to the zoo to watch the monkeys do it. We didn't we didn't go there for that explicit purpose. We just like saw it. No, but anyway, we we're in 2019 walking around the zoo. And I remember we were right near the American Trail when you were telling me about this true crime series uh, on Netflix called The Staircase. Uh, we're going to yeah. get into that in in a few minutes. I wanted to tease that for everyone. But first, I wanted to talk about. Consider me teased. Oh, yeah. You are so te- you look so teased right now. <laughs> teased as fuck. Anyway, um, I got oddly kind of kind of I'm, I'm like right Sigourney there. Weaver's hair in 1986. I'm just teased. <laughs> I think it was uh, it was that alien, right? It was her hair. Was that her first movie? I have no idea what her first movie was, but Sigourney Weaver's hair is my cultural touchstone point for 1980s big hair. Like when I'm describing my downstairs situation, Ooh. I, I describe it as having Sigourney Weaver in a headlock, but she has a dick coming out of her head. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I apologize to Miss Weaver. You are a treasure. Love Ghostbusters. An American icon. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Zool. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... She wasn't Zool. Well, she was the, the vessel. She was Gozer, the gatekeeper. Okay. Oh, no, she was Zool. Motherfucker. That's right. Yeah. There is no Dana. There's only Zool. Who's right? Who, don't wreck yourself, my friend. Oh, man. This this whole plot to tell you how right I am has just backfired as you have told me how right you are. Oh, man. I think yeah, what else is new, right? I feel like this is all we do on Facebook Messenger uh, is, is just confirm that I'm right one million percent of the time. Um, no, but Sigourney Weaver is actually the uh, tallest actress in Hollywood. I'll have you know. And the shortest actor in Hollywood, I'll have you know, is uh, Danny DeVito. Uh, I that, call that, bullshit. Is, that is not a little person. He's not. Technically uh, not a little person. I call bullshit. Let's look it up. I'm going to world records. Look it up right I, now. I already I already know. I already know who I'm going to pick out. Is it the guy from is it the guy from uh, Game of Thrones? Because he's he has like a condition. I'm talking about actors that do not have a condition that are just fucking short. The reason I know this is because in middle school, I had a Guinness Book of World Records and no. Sigourney Weaver and Danny DeVito were, were both the tallest actress and the shortest actor. And don't tell me that my eighth grade was a fucking lie. I'm standing by this. 
Okay. You were right. It was Game of Thrones, but, but he's I a f- what I'm I, not I said talking then. about Peter Dinklage. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm talking about Gwendolyn Christie. I never saw Game of Thrones, so I have no idea who that fucking guy is. Well, Gwendolyn Christie is not a fucking guy. She's oh, Brienne sorry. of Tarth of the Emerald Isle. I guess Gwendolyn should have been my first clue. <laughs> yeah, should have been. Being a woman. But uh, she's a solid six foot three. She's six foot three? Yep. Sigourney Weaver's taller than that. You're telling me Sigourney Weaver is seven feet tall. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that she is the tallest actress in Hollywood. Oh, really? With a SAG card, with a SAG card. Yeah, she's All right. Well, actress. unless you're, unless you're measuring, uh, unless you're measuring her avatar. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw that movie that's about to have sequels, but unless you're talking about her avatar, which is like 12 feet tall, Sigourney Weaver's only six feet. Do you mean her in avatar or do you mean her avatar? Her avatar in Avatar. Yeah. I can't believe they're going to have a sequel for a movie that came out fucking 15 years ago. I would almost put money on it crashing and burning, but I think people are pretty starved for uh, content right now. That's true. But um, OK, so we've established that Gourney Weaver is not the tallest actress in Hollywood. She's the she's the second tallest. OK, I would. So this makes sense because the Guinness Book of World Records I had was from before Gwendolyn made it big. So I think it was accurate in the time I lived in. I just live in high school mode. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I still have a Nokia 6600. Oh, did, does that even have a world book entry? No, it's. it's yeah, right. <laughs> Since we're referencing books you bought in 1989 at the Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> I was four years old in 1989, so I wasn't reading. But yeah, I, I was the Scholastic Book Fair being fun as shit. I was I was reading in 1989 and when I was four years old. So you can suck on that. Well, it's not a competition, but if it was, you'd be winning. All right. So congratulations. Thank you. So anyway, uh, I bring up the zoo is because we're going to answer a Reddit question from r slash no stupid questions. That's the that's literally the only place on the Internet where there are no stupid questions. It's by design there. You cannot have a stupid question. That's reassuring. Gives me confidence. Yeah. The question asked by Zozy Cunt is <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm dead serious, man. How's that I'm dead spelled? Serious. How's that spelled? It is Z-O-Z-E-E, so Zozy, and then and then the, the, the conventional spelling of the word cunt. So anyway, Zozy Cunt asks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, is Go it ahead. odd? Tell is me it what odd? Tell me. You're fucking. Oh my god. We're. I'm, we're about, I'm stopping recording right now. If you're gonna fucking be a baby, I swear to God. <laughs> I'm like. I'm, I have to get this. I've been trying to. I am so fucking fr- like sexually frustrated <laughs> to get this guy in question out. Just like kiss me pregnant. on the mouth. Get it over with. <laughs> All right. So. Is it odd, strange, or just weird for a grown man to go to the zoo by himself? Ryan, what do you have to say? No. Absolutely fucking not. I mean, Zozy cunt man. I don't know who's been telling you this, but because we are two like white men, I feel like um, we got to tell people how hard it is sometimes. And I feel like they don't let they don't let guys have fun. Guys don't get to have fun just doing what they want to fucking do sometimes. Right. There are a lot of things in our society where white men get an absolute pass. Oh, like almost everything except going to the zoo. Yeah. Except when you think of a child molester. Oh, I don't think of one. Why would you say that? (laughs) You don't think like like conjure in your mind an image of somebody who's just been like, oh, so and so got arrested for molesting children. That person is a white man in his mid 40s, possibly balding, definitely wearing glasses, most assuredly a mustache. Oh, dude, I in my mind, you were reading my mind. I feel like I was the picture in my mind's eye was those 1980s serial killer glasses and a mustache and like a fucking khaki uh, trench coat. Like it's like uh, Inspector Gadget. Uh, uh, khaki everything. 
<laughs> khaki khaki aftershave khaki fucking like a khaki leisure suit with a khaki trench coat over the top um <laughs> so now we've established what the uniform is for <laughs> pe- people that got caught on chris hansen's how to catch a predator but yeah i i think that that is probably the one place where white men do get profiled if, if you look like that guy people are just going to assume and i don't look like that guy but i will say that again uh the zoo where i live it's a smithsonian so it's free so I have gone to the zoo alone many a time, especially when I was like fucking unemployed for a while. And I'm not going to let fucking the Internet shame me. Zozy, if you're out there, it is 100 percent fine. And I like to think that I'm self-aware enough that I don't get the sense that I creep anyone out when I go to the zoo alone. You creep me out when we were there and I was with you. Why the fu- hell? What, what happened? <laughs> did, did I really? Did I really? No. Oh, man. I was about to say, I was like, man, I, f- I felt bad for like 10 seconds. I wouldn't feel bad about creeping you, you out. But Aaron, I don't want her to think less. Of um, yeah, I feel like I never creeped anyone out. You know why? Because 100 percent of people who are at a zoo should be mesmerized by a fucking lion, tiger or a bear or some shit. So they don't have time to think about me. The majesty of nature on display captured penned for the world to gawk at uh, in a mockery of the natural order. Well, I mean, like, so the Smithsonian Zoo here, I would a lot of like, I'm not talking about like the Tiger King zoos or like the ones where you spend. You mean the cool zoos? Yeah, the ones where you get to actually touch them, right? The fun ones. I, I feel like here is a list of some places that I would not feel comfortable as a grown man. I would say number one is a Lord concert. I just can't go to a Lord concert alone and like it ever be okay. Actually, I think you might be okay now because that reference is so old at this point that Lord's fans are all of age. I still don't think so, man. I mean, like, uh, I I would be I, I, I'd be suspicious, but maybe I don't know. Now, maybe I'm I should so, be going to Lord concerts. I'm so old. I only have a vague understanding of what a Lord is. I know that Let's- it is a young <laughs> woman who makes a music. So I say all this professing ignorance when the truth of the matter is, I've been to a Lord concert. Uh, how old were you and what was the average age of the attendees? What I want to know. I was a very youthful, fresh faced 35. Lord is a good singer. She's a good artist. I like love her music, but I definitely have the music taste of a 14 year old girl. Uh, I, too, listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. And Carly Rae Jepsen. We ended up going to this Lord concert to see uh, Run the Jewels. And then we left when sometime between Run the Jewels leaving the stage and Lord taking the stage. But other than that, other than that small admission of I have attended Lord's concert, I know nothing about her. She's a she's a New Zealander. She's a Kiwi. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like New she's Zealand, the, killing she's probably it. the most. She's probably the most famous New Zealander to come out of the island ex, or islands uh, since since the since the flight of the Concords. They're, they're New Zealand. The, the two other places before we move on that I do not feel comfortable being alone would be a children's museum and maybe Disney World. I wouldn't want to go there alone. Uh, for me, as far as being a grown man alone, the one place that comes to mind. And this is me just talking real slow, so it sounds like I'm building it up. But I'm really just trying to think of something to say. I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like it either. I wish I had a I wish I had a snappy answer. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pass. Yeah, you don't have to say anything. I think I don't have to say anything because that might reveal all the places that I've been alone as a as a single man wandering around where I realize, ah, shit, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I figured it out. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, My high school football team. 
to be one guy on a high school football team? I briefly was on my high school football team for about three weeks and they wanted me to hit a guy named Darnell who was like seven feet tall. What does that have to do with being alone anywhere? I just felt really alone. Oh, I got you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like part of the oh, team. Oh man, I'm sorry. I feel like I fucking prow- crowbarred out your trauma, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you where the, the you know you know the one place I wouldn't want to be alone standing over my wife's dead body. Jesus, that got dark. It did get I mean, dark. This is the transition you're looking for. Okay. Well, I will transistor radio right now. So the staircase, this uh, true crime documentary that you told me to watch in 2019, that it took a fucking pandemic for me to actually sit through. I will say this. I watched it recently and it is fucking awesome, man. It is really good. So kudos to you. I should say, if you haven't seen the staircase yet and you want to go ahead and pause this watch the staircase because I'm about to spoil everything for you about everything. It's only 13 episodes. I know I got done with it in a weekend and then I think a Monday afternoon. Like it was mm-hmm. really quick. It was really quick. But it's a, a 2018 Netflix true crime docuseries that chronicles the twisty case of Michael Peterson, a novelist who was convicted in 2003 of murdering his wife, Kathleen. Not to be confused with Scott Peterson, who was convicted of, I believe, murdering his wife in 2003. Bad year for the Petersons. Wasn't there also like a runner that got murdered and her last name was Peterson? Like she was running on. It might have been in D.C. She might have been rock, running in Rock Creek Park and she was like she was found dead. Her name was Peterson, I think. Or or the killer was. I, I, I have gonna, no I have no knowledge of that case. Um, it's not like it's not like Sigourney Weaver. We're not going to we're not going to look it up. So yeah. uh, so Kathleen, his wife, was uh, he found her unconscious at the bottom of a staircase. Allegedly. At, alleged, allegedly at their home in Durham, North Carolina. We can say allegedly, but also there was a 911 call where he admitted it. So, well, he alleges to have found her. Uh, the prosecution right, alleges right, right. the prosecution alleges that she was no surprise to him. <laughs> yeah. So this is a nearly two decade debacle that began in 2001 when Kathleen died. Michael Peterson placed a frantic 911 call during which he said she slipped on the stairs. They had taken some wine, popped a few Valium because why not? And uh-huh. called it in, called it a night. And then she slipped and fell to her death. Michael Peterson would have us believe that that is what happened. Well, is there anything to suggest otherwise? I've seen the documentary, but I'm asking you to explain to the audience in this circumstance. I got you. Well, I would say um, I'm a little fuzzy on the details, so I got I got you. Well, so immediately the police were suspicious of Michael because spoiler alert with almost every fucking true crime series. You can just save your time by figuring the husband did it. Right? And there's like nothing the police t- like more than saving time when solving crimes. Yeah, saving time while solving crimes. Take a bite <laughs> out of that, scruff McDog. The case quickly spirals and hinges on two pieces of information. First, again, 2003 in North Carolina. So the prosecutors just jumped on the fact that Michael Peterson is bisexual and he has had relationships with men and male sex workers mm-hmm. outside of his marriage with Kathleen. That's absolutely relevant because if you have sex with a man, you want to murder women. Well, no, no, this is the thing. That's not how it works. No. So Michael Peterson, he says that, look, Kathleen totally knew about it. She was actually cool with it. And the North Carolina prosecutors were just fucking dicks about it. And they made a show of it. It was like a it was like a circus, right? It's a major part of their case. They were trying to establish homosexuality as the motive for murder. They were just grossed out, right? That, That was literally what it was. Yeah, there are some non-traditional sexual arrangements that are way more popular and common than I think most Bible-believing district attorneys in North Carolina would uh, would believe. But I thought it was egregious. I was like, there is no way this is relevant to the actual murder case. But they're trying to establish a motive. At this point, they've now established the motive. 
Yep. But do you have opportunity and means? Well, I think you definitely had opportunity because they lived together and he's the one that supposedly found her. So All right, well, now you're just he, bragging. He had access to Kathleen at his giant mansion. Yeah. OK, so opportunity is easy to establish in this case. You've got you, the, the prosecution has a motive. What's their means? Well, OK, so the other piece of information here is that during the investigation, the prosecution found that a close family friend of, of Michael Peterson's by the name of Elizabeth Ratliff whose daughters were later raised by the Petersons, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, was found fucking dead at, you guessed it, the bottom of a staircase 15 years before Kathleen died. Come on. So so the, the argument that the prosecution's making is not only do we have the motive of him being a bad husband and trying to get out of his loveless marriage, but we also have a series of staircase related deaths swirling around him. So we have, yeah. we, we now have a pattern of, of criminal activity, uh, a pattern of the exact same criminal activity in two different countries, right? Cause he was, he was in the military and he was uh, in Germany at the time. So, but, uh, but, but what's interesting here is that the prosecution found this out and they're like, Holy shit, this guy's definitely going away. Right? So they end up exhuming, uh, Elizabeth's body and, Medical examiners determined that her death was a homicide. Oh. So what are the odds, right? I mean, like the, the implication being like, man, like either this guy is just leaving banana peels around irresponsibly. But it's not the it's not the German medical examiner. They they exhumed the body and brought it to the United States and had it examined by their medical examiner. Correct. Fifteen years later after she died. Right. Because it was on a military base, Army CID was charging the investigation. So I totally believe Army CID just fucked it up or just didn't. They were like, it was a it was a mistake. It was an accident. Right. Oh, I can well, totally believe that. Sounds like somebody hates the troops. No, I just I, <laughs> no, I, I just the prosecution was like, this is an actual coincidence. Right. What are the odds? But I think when you're prosecuting a case, as I understand it, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Kathleen was killed by the hands of Michael. You can't bring all this other bullshit into the into the current case. Even though it might be relevant, I feel like it could prejudice the jury, right? Yeah, especially in North Carolina 20 years ago. Exactly, exactly. Between those two things, between the bisexuality and the coincidence of the similar method of, of death of, uh, of another woman in Michael Peterson's life, there, the testimony of a blood splatter analyst by the name of Dwayne Deaver, who we're about to torch in a second. Can we just call him the Deaves for short? We can call him, we can call him Double Deaves. Double Deves, double Deves, <laughs> D squared. Hey, what up, Dub? I feel like that's, that's General, what they're General Devis. Hopefully, that's what they're saying He's, in prison. Would you say General Devis for you Star Wars fans out there? Uh, which what's the reference there? It's it's in the prequels. Don't worry about it. It hardly even counts oh, as canon. Oh man, I, I I saw those when I was fourteen. I'll never see him again. It hardly counts as canon. It was the forearm robot guy that fought with Obi Wan Kenobi. You nerd, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. You know. Yeah, so this blood splatter analysis analyst. Okay, so first, Michael Peterson was convicted in 2003 of murdering his wife. The jury found him to be guilty beyond reasonable doubt, and he spent the next eight years in prison. Oh, wow. In 2010, the same judge that presided over the case released Peterson on house arrest after it was found out that Double Deves was a fucking liar who gave misleading and false testimony in several cases. Yeah, I remember because the documentary makes a lot of hay out of that because they literally just have tons of footage of this guy 
trying hundreds of different ways to make the blood splatter analysis fit the theory of the crime. What you want to do is recreate a situation and then see what happens. He was tr- he saw what happened and tried to recreate a scenario to make it happen. That's yeah, not sound. The, the scientific method is fuck around and find out. He was trying to find out, then fuck around. And it's just comical, right, to see this, this video footage from the early 2000s of this guy whapping a sponge, right, with a supposed murder weapon that was like supposed to be a, a blow poke, right? Yeah, which they, which they couldn't find, which was proof that it had to be the weapon because there was a lack of a weapon. The absence of evidence was the evidence. And then they found the weapon with no blood on it. So and they found photos of the police officers at the scene of the crime holding it. <laughs> yeah, what? The, they're like taking pictures of it, like playing the flute with it. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Based on this, this again, the same judge grants another another trial. Uh, but the trial doesn't end up happening because Peterson enters into what is known as an Alford plea. Do you know what Alford plea is, uh, Ryan? Do you remember? That's when Texaco gives kids cancer and they give them a bunch of money and then they admit no guilt. It's a guilty plea in criminal court. So I think what you're talking about might, might be civil, but um, it's a guilty plea in a criminal court uh, where the defendant uh, does not admit the criminal act and can assert innocence. But it essentially means you've got so much fucking evidence on me. I'm probably about to get convicted. So I'm saying that I'm going to plea, but I didn't necessarily do it. That, that 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 that's what happened. Yeah. So I I gotta ask Ryan, do you think wh- where do you fall on this? Do you think he did it? Because I I know where I stand on it, and I wanna I wanna, but I wanna know what you're where where you're at with this. I wasn't there. It was very clear to me that he was railroaded throughout the process. Absolutely. But in the absence of an alternative theory. Neither the prosecution nor the defense really makes a compelling case for what happened to Kathleen Peterson that night. I absolutely agree. No, I abs- well, first of all, the defense doesn't have to. They just have to create doubt so that the jury doesn't know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right. Right. And this was we're not in a court of law as far as like OJ, for example. Ooh. They did not. They did not get a conviction for a lot of reasons. Yep. But there's a lot of confidence out there that OJ probably did it. Maybe a reason why OJ definitely got off was because Johnny Cochran just wrote a brilliant couplet that just stuck in everyone's minds. Right. If a glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. It's true. But in this case, what more or less happened was the glove didn't fit because the theory that the prosecution advanced was based on prejudice against people who are homosexual. We're talking about the Peterson case now. Yeah, it was based on circumstantial evidence surrounding a death of somebody else. Absolutely. Who he was not on trial for murdering. And it revolved around testimony from an expert witness who fabricated evidence. Yep. In several cases, too. But the defense, although they make a they make a passionate argument for the fact that Kathleen fell down the stairs. They had to jump through some hoops to explain how all that blood came from just a simple fall down the stairs. You know, there's the slipping and re-slipping and hitting her head here, hitting her head there. It almost seems a little bit far-fetched to the point where it's like, can he be innocent? My take on this is I believe that there's a good chance that he absolutely did it. I think just knowing about the staircases 15 years apart to two supposed victims, I mean, come on. Right. I, it, that does. I mean, what what are the fucking odds of that? We should get a statistician to let us know that this is like one, yeah. b- one in a one betrillion. Here's what I think. Even if he fucking did it, I am one thousand percent OK with him walking free, because as you said, the government doesn't get the fucking railroad you because they don't like who you fuck. They don't get to fabricate evidence because they're grossed out by 
your sexual, uh, I almost said preference, but sexual orientation, right? But what if I told you that there was actually an alternate theory? Well, I'd love to hear it. You're so good at transitions, man. I suck at them. I got to be better at them. There is a line that I originally I took it as kind of a throwaway line. Uh, they're interviewing Michael Peterson, and I believe this is ahead of his Alfred plea. He's saying, you know, you know, if there's other theories, you know, however she died, you know, they got the blowpoke theory or, you know, the raptor attack. You know, however she died. Like, hold, hold up the raptor attack. Yeah, he mentions a raptor attack. And your first thought is Velosa fucking raptor. <laughs> yeah, like some Jurassic Park shit. And it feels like a throwaway line. Like he's just saying something like crazy could have happened. There is actually a raptor attack theory. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we should be very clear about this. Are you talking about a dinosaur? I am not talking about a dinosaur. I am talking about a bird of prey. Man, I have never been more disappointed in my life. I really wanted it to be like, okay, so they got dino DNA and just let it loose. You've seen Harry Potter. No, I haven't. I've never seen it or read the books. Never mind. Forget that transition. We'll delete it. No, I will keep it in because I want want people to be like, what the fuck? Have you been living under a rock? No, I haven't. (laughs) It's just the entertainment I get from telling people I've never seen it is more than the movies can ever do. (laughs) What about the books? I just, I'm not into that genre. He's, not Matt's that not genre. a reader. Matt's not a reader. No, I am a reader. I, I, I'm <laughs> go. I read books for fun all the time because I'm, you know. Yeah, you sound like a blast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll read right fucking now. Pride and Prejudice. Love it. War and Peace. Love it. I was just about to say War and Peace. Gone with the wind. I mean, wind. Gone with the wind. <laughs> yeah, I think we figured you out. Uh, <laughs> I've only seen it written. I've never heard it. The Raptor attack theory was actually advanced by... Uh, Kathleen and Michael's neighbor, who happens to be a lawyer, they live in a really nice neighborhood. So this guy, Larry Pollard, lives next door. And like six months into the trial, he comes up with the raptor theory, otherwise known as the owl attack theory. Uh, so here's the theory. We already talked about the the setup here. Kathleen and Michael had been drinking by the pool or enjoying their marital bliss. Getting a little fucked up. Yeah. Well, she gets up to go inside and go to bed. On the way into the house, she gets attacked by an owl. She gets free. She gets free of the animal, runs into the house, falls down the stairs. OK, I shouldn't laugh because we, we are legit talking about a, a, a dead woman. So I kind of feel bad about that. As her loved ones are very much still alive, some care should be taken. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I would say that the, the image of an owl attacking someone and then that person falling to their death is just inherently funny. I'm sorry. It's just there's something cartoon comical about it. There is something cartoonish about it, which is part of what makes the theory so unbelievable on its face. But hear me out. OK, I'm hearing you because there is some evidence. So we've already established that the, the police investigators, D.A., for sure railroaded this guy. 100%. Evidence collection was sloppy. Lab work was fraudulent. D.A. was ruthless. Uh, but the defense arguments pretty suspect. Also, wounds, the, the wounds really do not correspond with the accident that they lay out. So neither the prosecution nor the defense has a clear cut argument for what happened to Kathleen that explains everything. I would say the defense doesn't need to have a theory for that, though. Fair enough. The prosecution, the prosecution needs to prove it. This theory actually never made it into the courtroom and it doesn't actually make it into the documentary either. The documentary is focused on the court case. That's why Raptor Attack gets a, you know, a five second blip in this in this entire 13 episode arc. Yeah. What happened was Larry Pollard came up with this theory. He contacted the D.A. and said, hey, I think that this was an owl attack. And the, the D.A. basically and the police basically just laughed this guy out of the office. 
He goes to the defense attorney and by then they're already presenting, essentially presenting final arguments. They'd already spent like six months arguing that this woman fell down the stairs, going into your closing arguments and saying, but wait, here's a new theory. It's an actual is. Hey, guys, it was a fucking bird. I mean, you're going to lose your case. That's a great way to lose your case. Exactly. So he's been arguing like they're already committed to this, uh, to their story. And, you know, you don't want to you don't want to come across as dishonest or or grasping. But there's actually enough of a preponderance of evidence to really give this merit. So here's the evidence. There's blood on the patio outside of the house. Okay, I did not know that. So if you want to talk about. uh, Motive means an opportunity. There's your opportunity. Owls live outdoors. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, most of the owls you're going to find in life are going to be not in a enclosed area, I would hope. Right. And then the pattern of the wounds on her head oh, isn't yeah. consistent with the prosecution's blowpoke theory, obviously. Uh, <laughs> there's like seven was, marks was, on her head. Yeah, right. Right. So there, there's uh, scratches. There's lacerations on her head, but not really contusions. All right. And some of these and at least two places on her head, the marks come in like three equally deep scratches, which would be consistent with. The claws of an owl. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Owls are native to North Carolina. They have been known to attack humans. Hmm. There is a similar case also in North Carolina that gets highlighted anytime anybody talks about this owl theory of a guy who describes being attacked by an owl as getting hit with a baseball bat. Ooh. Well, I mean, yeah, they're, they're vicious and they're huge, right? Yeah. They're, they well, be. yeah. So there's so without getting into. No, let's get into it without getting um, into ornithology, but let's get into the innards of fucking as owls. a professional ornithologist, as falcon, as a falconer. <laughs> there are actually uh, there are a couple different owls that are native to North Carolina. Uh, you have a smaller owl like a screech owl that can be up to about a half pound, which is about the weight of a softball. Hmm. OK. Oh, good. Good uh, callback with the baseball thing. Yeah. A great horned owl can be up to three pounds. And I actually if you Google what weighs three pounds, there are websites with top 10 lists. <laughs> uh, but here's some things that weigh three pounds. A steam iron. Ooh. A box of wine. Oh, hey. A can of Crisco shortening. <laughs> a two slice toaster. Two slice. Nice. Uh, the great horned owl can reach speeds of up to 40 miles per hour. So imagine a 40 mile an hour fucking death machine just slapping your head to imagine getting a toaster with with knives sticking out of it thrown at your head uh, and then it attacks you you know come to think of it i've, I've actually interacted and seen a, a, a great horn owl before and they are massive and the guy actually said he, this one only weighs three pounds but he it's huge i mean it's yeah. a it's a it's a massive bird oh their but their bones are hollow exactly yeah that, well they gotta be and they're mostly supply. made of stuffing in my experience yeah as evolutionary biologists they do have to have hollow bones to fly so you can mm-hmm. put that in your pipe and smoke it. Every evolutionary biologist has hollow bones and that's why they can fly. <laughs> you know, this three pound bird hitting your head at 40 miles an hour and then clawing the shit out of you. So let's let's imagine this scenario. So at this point, she has lacerations all over her head. Head wounds bleed wildly. She's been hit by something between the weight of a softball and a two slice toaster <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the brain. Yeah. All right. She's already on her anti-anxiety medication, alcohol and muscle relaxers. So she's got and a bottle of wine, two bottles of wine between two of them on average. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. (laughs) She she drank it's two divided by one. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to find out how smart we really are. Yeah, right. Um, 
we really aren't. So at this point, you know, she she's she's a little bit faded. She's suffered a head trauma. She's got bleeding head wounds, which is probably disorienting her because that blood's going to get into your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So she she gets inside the house and she starts her way up the stairs, presumably to clean herself up, falls down the stairs, bleeds out. OK, so when, when you first said the raptor attack theory and, and the owl, for some reason, I thought I'm like, I, my first thought was there's no way an owl got into this mansion. But it makes total sense that it was on the outside. Yeah, right. The one piece of evidence that I think really sells this entire theory are the owl feathers they in her hand. What are you? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, there are micro owl feathers in her hand with her hair, which has been pulled out at the root, which means she probably pulled some of her hair out while trying to disentangle herself from an owl. Okay. That's that. That is wild, actually. I mean, this does have legs. It has two little claws, two talons. It has legs and wings, and it goes hoot hoot in the night. And it has a beak. There's a. I'm trying. That's the only other owl thing I know. (laughs) It has a beak, like all every fucking bird. Uh, Mythologically speaking, owls are considered to be like symbols of death and destruction. You see an owl, and it's supposed to be like a bad omen, like somebody's going to die soon. In this case, the owl may have gotten tired of waiting and taken a direct hand in the matter. Evidence for the raptor attack, I think, is stronger than the prosecution's evidence. Absolutely. I think it is on the surface no more ludicrous than the defense's argument. Yeah. And it's supported by physical evidence that is really hard to explain otherwise. So uh, if I'm trying to poke holes in the raptor theory. My first question is, why didn't Michael Peterson see this unfolding? They have a really big house. I mean, that's that's the only explanation. You know, he's a, he probably has a shit ton of tinnitus. <laughs> that's ringing <laughs> your ears, folks, for anyone who doesn't know. And there's no telling how loud it was actually was. Did she scream? Maybe she didn't scream. Maybe she went. How can you not scream while you're getting gouged by like razor bl- flying razor blades? For me, I think my my response would be like, motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, I would shout, but that wouldn't necessarily like it's not like the owls responding. Maybe she just didn't like give a fuck because she was on Valium. So she's like, oh, man, this is just a minor inconvenience. And then just like slip. We don't know her mental state. We don't know how long the attack lasted. We don't know. You know, maybe Michael Peterson had headphones in. There are so many reasons why it might have gone unnoticed. Not the least of which he's an old man sitting by a pool. What's most important about this, like you said, it's not that the defense has to have an alternate theory, a a clear alternate theory. In this case, I think the scenario laid out by the defense doesn't necessarily explain the evidence. Yeah. However, I think the evidence that does exist is really hard to explain without an owl attack. The real smoking gun, if you will, is the owl feathers for me. Yeah, that is wild. That never made it into the documentary. No, it didn't. And the reason it didn't is because it never made it into the trial, because by the time they came around for the second go around, they're like, do we really want to advance the owl attack theory in court or do we want to just take the Alfred plea and walk away? He's already been fucked one time, right? Yeah. Dude spent eight years in jail. He's not going to risk it again. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, the fact that it does appear in that little snippet in the documentary just goes to show he's like there's other fucking stories here guys yeah he didn't edit it you know there might have been a lot about the raptor theory in there but they're like no it's 13 episodes let's focus on what's in the court case instead of theorizing the the original series was only i think eight or nine and then when he found out he was getting a retrial they they made three additional episodes so it kind of it kind of came later Uh uh-huh so if you haven't if you've only seen it once when it first came out and haven't seen this final three 
definitely check them out. I would say they're worth it. They're pretty good. Or don't. We ruined it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, What the fuck am I saying? Hey, smoke a bunch of pot, forget about it, and then go see it. It's like it's like watching it for the first time. The only other thing I want to say about this is. So let's assume that he did it again. I think there's a good I think there's a good chance he probably did do it. Uh, I mean, Aaron and I both have sealed letters explaining that it was an owl attack if we are found crumpled <laughs> at the bottom of the stairs because we do not want this to happen to the other honestly even even if Aaron does push me down the stairs when she pushes you down the stairs because it's when, coming when Aaron coming. eventually pushes me down the stairs I hope she turns in that letter explaining that it was an owl attack because even if she did it in the coldest of cold blood I probably had it coming man that's true love I, I this is how I know you love her because you're totally fine with her making up a story about your death <laughs> that's enough hoots but I believe you wanted to talk about some tweets <laughs> So, yeah, there was a tweet that kind of wrecked the Internet for a little bit. It was a tweet from the official account of the U.S. Strategic Command. Ryan, do you know what U.S. Strategic Command is? They are the guys that hold the keys to America's nuclear arsenal. I would say that there's also women involved there, too. Now it's 2021. But yeah, they're they are the uniform military personnel who maintain our nuclear arsenal. Sorry, I feel like I was just virtue signaling there for a second, man. No, it's fine. I do it to you all the time. Yeah, I, I do it to you when you're not around, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Coward. No, I'm just kidding. U.S. Strategic Command maintains our nuclear arsenal. They also maintain a global strike command, right? So a lot of Air Force shit. So what was the What was the tweet? Can you... right, so, yeah, so the tweet. Read it. So, so the, 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 well, I can't read it because it's, it's gibberish, right? Oh. So uh, the Sunday evening tweet, which is straight up gibberish, includes semicolons, one comma, and random letters, G-M-L-Z-X-S-S-A-W. Oh, yeah, Jamil Zigzah. Who could forget? I, for one, welcome our overlords from the other dimension. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, so what <laughs> does this mean? Uh, was our nuclear arsenal hacked? Uh, not quite. A half hour later, another tweet emerged. Uh, that apologized for the confusion and said this was uh, this was a mistake. World War Three is not happening quite yet. Maybe they were trying to trick Superman's arch nemesis, Mixel Pitalik, into saying his own name backwards. Maybe there was like some unsavory thing. They lost a nuke and they're like, hey, just tweet some crazy shit. We got to find this nuclear weapon. <laughs> they actually have offered an explanation for this tweet at this point. They have because a freelance journalist, Mikhail Fallon, uh, filed a, f- a FOIA request. Uh, and found out that it was a toddler. It was a rogue toddler. I don't think toddlers should have the clearance uh, to work for the U.S. Strategic Command. Well, you don't need a clearance to tweet. Uh, trust me. Have you ever been on Twitter? You do not need to have any qualifications <laughs> to tweet. Why they give Jared Kushner a clearance then? <laughs> yeah, well, be, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, something called you know Operation Nepotism. Ow. It was a rogue toddler. He was the, the the child of the person who manages the official U.S. Strategic Command account. His child sat down, fucked around on the keyboard and managed to hit send on the tweet, which I think is just hilarious. Yeah, well, I mean, I have kids. I get it. I'm not going to I'm not going to judge too harshly on this one. Do you think this kid was a savant and just like is trolling the world? Do you think he's like some genius? No, kids are dumb. Don't tell my kids I said that. Yeah, (laughs) I would I would never talk to a child willingly. So no worries, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I just I never right. I don't I don't care I, I'm sorry you send me baby pictures of your newborn and I'm like yeah that's a ch-, like okay I don't have a whole lot to say about this tweet other than the fact that uh, stick a pen in it keep an eye on it this is going to be on a QAnon board somewhere with an elaborate explanation of how it's related to Hillary Clinton blocking the Suez Canal and, <laughs> and, he, and killing people in the process they've already tied the Suez Canal to Hillary Clinton they were actually transporting children 
for obvious human consumption. The Q-spiracy nuts, they just, there is nothing Hillary Clinton isn't capable of. I feel like way more, oh they, my th- God. they think way highly of Hillary Clinton more so than most Democrats, I think. She's stirring so many cauldrons right now. <laughs> if you just smash your hands on a keyboard. If you put a thousand toddlers at a thousand keyboards, eventually they'll produce the entire comprehensive QAnon conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Do you think an owl could pick up a child and just like drop it off somewhere? No. Okay, you answer that really quick. Have you have you have you? I looked up a whole bunch of information about owls. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Somebody at the United States uh, Strategic Command fucked up and sent out a nonsense. But it certainly is not the most harmful tweet by a government official over the last few years in terms of sparking QAnon conspiracies. <laughs> Nobody's sacking the Capitol because U.S. Stratcom fucked up is all I'm saying. <laughs> but if you don't want to fuck up like the United States Strategic Command, Make sure to tune into every episode of Don't Wreck Yourself. We publish on Tuesdays. Feel free to send us your questions, inquiries, memes you find on the internet, love notes, uh, fan mail, corrections, not that we'll acknowledge them, <laughs> at our email account, wreckyourpod at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wreckyourpod. A special thanks to Rick Reynolds for his song United from the album Portals and Progress. Which you can find on Apple iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. If for some reason you find yourself staring at the internet, confused about what's real and what's not, what you should and should not share, and you can't wait until next week, make sure to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart. Sounds like horseshit to me. <laughs>